podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, simpletons. You're listening to the Minimalist Private Podcast. Ryan, today we're going to talk about shooting all over ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We got some surprise questions. Also, some more about less. I thought maybe we'd start there. One of my favorite thinkers is a guy named Kapil Gupta. And this is a really old article of his. But he's the one who initially helped me understand the absurdity, the illusion of shoulds, mm. and also of prescriptions. This article is maybe a decade old. It's called No Prescriptions. We'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Podcast Sean will. The world is in love with the notion of how students love to ask for it. Teachers love to dispense it. But the student who asks this is not a true seeker. And the teacher who dispenses it is not a true teacher. Why? Because how asks for a prescription. How asks for a method. How asks for a template. How asks for a recipe. How asks for, quote, the way. And those who ask the how question ask the question precisely because they are ready to follow the how answer. And if a person is willing to follow the way indicated by another, it is only because he believes that there is, in fact, a path that is ready for him to tread. He has not yet come to the realization that a path is not a road, but an experience. And that experience is not something to join or walk toward. It is something that, that continually and incrementally unfolds before him as if a function of his way of perceiving his place in the world. Mm. So if we go back to on the minimal episode this week, we were talking about your packing party. Yeah. And you'd never in that moment presume there was a path. You knew you were sort of forging your own path there. Yeah. There was not a prescription for that. And thankfully, when we didn't know this at the time, all oh, prescription, no prescription, whatever. It was right. just like... You, you were like, hey, I'm fed up with this. What's the quickest way to do it? Right. And when you and I talked about it, I'm like, well, I just had to move recently, and I had to confront all my stuff when I moved. Mm -hmm. You're not moving. Mm. What if we just pretend you're moving? Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, because then I'd have to like actually deal with everything at once. Yeah. And and there was no specific how-to. It was just, like, I'm going to pretend I'm, I'm moving. And that mm -hmm. path unfolded in front of me. You didn't know what was around the bend. Mm -hmm. Because as you started unpacking, you might have been like, screw this. This is dumb. I'm going to unpack everything tonight. Right. That might have been the appropriate way for you. Yeah. Uh, man, it's interesting because I, uh, like my mentees, I don't really, I don't call them mentees as much as I call them like students, mm -hmm. which makes me the teacher, I guess. Yes. But it's funny because like my, <clears throat> my sister, she is by far the best student I've ever had. Uh -huh. She came to me and she was like, hey, uh, I want to manage people's social media thoughts <laughs> and i'm like okay here are some things i would try if i was you here's what i would try out i would do you know a b and c mm -hmm. and if that doesn't work and if you can't build any momentum that way then come back and ask me for more advice or, or more paths or more things to try out whatever you want to call it sure she did a b and c never came back to me and now she's got like i don't know eight ten different clients that she's helping out and it just made me think like you know, the difference I think between, cause like when I'm, when I'm hearing that, I'm just, you know, obviously like everything we hear, we're just holding up a mirror to ourselves. And I'm like, am I, am I like, should I not be a teacher? 
Right. Or, but the thing is, like, I don't have answers, though. I just have suggestions. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think there are some mechanical, like, you know, surgeon obviously, like, has to get taught yes. certain things, right? Right. But when it comes to these, um, I don't know, perspectival issues or uh, the packing party is a good example because it worked for me. It's not going to work for everyone else. And we talked about that in the minimal episode. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the, what, what separates me from like your college professor uh, uh, from, you know, someone who I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say, man. Like I, I'm just, tr- I'm judging myself as a teacher. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah. I think he, he unfurls that a little bit here and talks about sort of the two types of teachers, I believe. Mm, okay. In some ways, the very act of teaching is to misunderstand and to underestimate the nature of the human. As teaching is largely about the dispension of of information. (laughs) Sorry, my staple got in the way there. The human brain does not respond to another's words. It responds to its perception and translation of those words. And so that's why when on on the minimal, when you started, well, we have to define progress and perfection. Like, well, no, we don't because Hmm. you know what I mean when I say progress or what I mean when I say, I know what I mean when I say perfection or progress. And we can get bogged down in the definitions but the definition is merely a vehicle that gets us there. Uh, some of the uh, Anthony DeMello talks about how if you want to eat you know, a salad, mm-hmm. you don't. If a restaurant brings you a menu and it says salad on it, you don't start eating the menu. Right, right. You ask for the salad that's on the menu. You don't mistake the word for the thing that it actually is. Yeah, I, I think the more often we can apply that, like the. The, the the faster we will come to an understanding. Mm-hmm. But there are some time, like minimalism, for example. Someone came up to me and they're like, after the documentary, the 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 one in 2015, mm-hmm. they came up to me after a screening in Missoula and they're like, that's not minimalism. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about what minimalism is. Uh-huh. When you say that's not minimalism, what is that? That's not... uh you know, living with as little as possible and depriving yourself and, you know, so forth and so on. And I'm like, yeah, with that definition of minimalism, you're right. That is not minimalism. That's exactly it. It's like if, if someone brings the salad to the table. That's not a salad. Right. Well, okay. Then. Right. Chicken and mayonnaise is not a salad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or or like kale instead of romaine. Uh, sure. I don't consider that as, okay, well then... You know, it's up to you. You can, yes, you can define it however you want, mm-hmm. but the essence of this is it's a salad. Whether it's an egg salad, a ham salad, mm-hmm. a kale salad, yeah. it is that we, if we get so caught up in the definition, well, this is right, this is wrong, and that's what the person who came up to you, oh, here's the correct definition of minimalism. Well, in order for me and this person to have a meaningful conversation, we did have to look at the definition. We did have to look at the context. Did you? Uh what I hear you asking is, did we need to have a meaningful conversation? No, did, did you did you have to look at the definition is what I meant to say. We, we had to get clear on what she meant by minimalism so we could have a meaningful conversation. Okay. Um, I mean, if I came to you and said, you're not a minimalist. Okay. Wait, yeah, I mean, yeah, I understand. You would just be like, okay, as you say. Yeah. But, but you know, this, this woman was... I'd probably say, leave me alone. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer to <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, really, what... <sighs> I think what we do, Josh, is we try to help 
people understand. And I know that you're, you know, we're not in the advice business and even the word helping I, I understand is, um, there's some nuance there. I get the essence. So it's, it's not about, I'm not, I don't have an alert, an allergy to helping. Mm-hmm. It's the allergy to trying to help, to force help upon right, someone. Right. Right. But when someone comes to me and they're like, Hey, um, I need help understanding like where you're coming from. Because that to me isn't minimalism. Okay. That's where we I do have to get to the definition of minimalism with this person. Like, okay, well, what is minimalism to you? Mm-hmm. If what I'm doing is not minimalism, what is minimalism? Let's start there. Right. And then we can have a meaningful conversation based off of where their, at least their starting point is. Yeah. The, the thing that we talk about in Love People Use Things is, hey, if the word minimalism is too austere for you, if it's Picturism. too stark, yeah. yeah. In, in fact, I was just having this conversation with uh, Christopher Kelly recently. He interviewed me for his podcast. Probably the best conversation I've had this year because he didn't ask any of the sort of standard, you know, what is minimalism? And right. but he did ask one question, like, "Hey, if you had to start this whole thing over, mm. this whole minimalism thing over, would you still use that word minimalism, or is mm. there a better word?" And, and and if so, what would be maybe an alternate word? I said, "Yeah, maybe I would say something like intentionalism." Mm, and so, okay. The intentionalists. Right. <laughs> and, and there would be something there. I said, however, I've recognized that when people hear minimalism, they think about our relationship with stuff. And there is a great healing that we've done with someone's relationship with, with, with people's relationship with stuff. And in a way, that's really what we're doing when we say we're not in the advice business or whatever. Just like doctors aren't in the advice business. They're in the healing business. Oh, we can start calling ourselves Dr. Milburn and Dr. Nicodemus. Yes. Dr. Yeah. Dre did it. Dr. Podcast Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I, I, no, I totally agree with what you're saying, man. And, and so if I would just say, okay, is there a more helpful word that, that, that would help you understand what we're talking about? Because if you don't think this is minimalism, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care what you think minimalism is or what you think. You've mm. clearly provided a very narrow definition of what minimalism is let's talk about the essence of what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. and so in a way i don't have to talk to you about the definition i would say let's set aside the definitions Mm -hmm. and and instead let's talk about what we're actually talking about right because i'm not talking about the the menu I'm mm-hmm. talking about the things they're going to bring from the kitchen when we talk about the things on the menu. Right. The menu is going to help me order, but I'm not actually going to eat the menu. Yeah, I think the more we can get to the essence of something, yeah, you're right. The essence is going to help much more mm-hmm. than the clinical definition of something. Right. Sure. Because then we get so caught up in that, and it's like, well, it's only this. But even in a dictionary, it's like, well, what about the fourth definition for this thing, right? Right. Or, uh, yeah, you look at minimalism, there's not even... There's no such thing as lifestyle in the dictionary when it comes to minimalism. Well, there you go. Right. And, and yet, I'm sure there, there probably is at some point now. It's because if you, if you search minimalism in, on Google Trends, you see this giant spike when? December 2016, when our film came out. It's not even right. close. Like, mm-hmm. We accidentally popularized this term minimalism. And so because of that, in a way, I get to define it. Because the reason it reached the cultural zeitgeist mm. is because we brought this thing into the world. Me, you, and Matt Diavella, and all the folks that we work with, mm. we, we brought this into the world. Here's what we mean by minimalism. Now, if you mean something different, because, by the way, if you go back, if we talk minimalist art in the 60s, you know, Donald Judd's of the world, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? That's one place to, to start. Or you can look at the sort of minimalist 
fiction, the metafictionists like John Barth or, or uh, Raymond Carver in the 80s, the 70s and the 80s, Brett Easton Ellis, Jay McInerney, uh, Jay McInerney Lori Moore, all these, these people were minimalist authors, right? Mm-hmm. And they wrote minimalist fiction. And, and so they were minimalists as well. Or maybe it's the simple living movement of the 1990s, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that was minimalism. Okay, I need to figure out minimalism can apply to any of these things, right? Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. When we don't hold the definition tightly, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, well, that's not minimalism. What I mean by minimalism is this and that is wrong. No, no, no. Donald Judd was still a minimalist or maybe uh, John Paulson is a minimalist architect, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I look at that, I can't say, well, that's not minimalism. It's minimalist right. architecture. No, mm-hmm. it's minimalism. Mm-hmm. It's just a type of minimalism. Sure. And so if I hold it less tightly, it can mean something without it meaning only that. Yeah. Returning to the text here. The human brain does not respond to another's words. It responds to its perception and translation of those words. In this way, the teacher and the student are forever speaking a different language. The teacher teaches the how, not only because he feels it is the only way or the best way, but because he simply loves to do so. He gains something from it, emotionally and financially. The student asks the how because he seeks a quick resolution to his problem, and though it may only work temporarily, he becomes accustomed to this chase. The true seeker is consumed with the what. For him, the how is like the remora fish that rides the belly of the great shark. That's a beautiful metaphor, right? Because the how, the, going back to the packing party, the the actual packing of the things, that was the remora fish that was sort of riding along with you. Mm. When I say the how takes care of itself, this is a, a much more eloquent metaphor here because the it swims along with, with you. The how sort of comes along for the ride mm. when you understand the why mm. behind all of it. So here's here's where I think the detente for you is and, and when you're questioning the sort of teacherness of what you're doing. He yeah. says this the great teachers are not teachers at all. They're seekers. They're not they're not so much interested in their students' development of technique as they are in the development of his or her understanding. Mm. Teaching technique will lead to an enhancement of one's technique, but never to the realization of one's potential. Mm. That is beautiful. Let's put a link to that in the show notes. So much to talk to you about, Ryan. So little time. (laughs) But uh, patrons, thank you so much for being here today. I, I think that quite often Ryan and I, when we are talking about advice, we're talking about shoulds, We've certainly done it in the past. It's I found it to be so much more helpful. And I actually initially got this from Rob Bell when he he wrote this book. Well, he didn't write it, and it's not a book. <laughs> it's called Launching Rockets. It's an audio book to a book that doesn't exist. Right. Is the best way I could. It's a parenting book called Launching Rockets. Mm. And he said, well, I still have kids at home at the time he did. Well, he still has one. His daughter's still at home. But I still have kids at home, so I don't have any parenting advice. I only have parenting observations. And that just stuck with me in a way because it was like, oh, yeah, he's not telling me what to do, but he has some brilliant insights Mm. on parenting. And by the way, when you see how wonderful his kids have turned out so far, Mm -hmm. uh, Trace and 
especially who's often on his podcast and you realize like oh as a as a 21 year old remember trace was in our studio last time we had rob on the podcast and i'm like wow he is this fully formed human being and it'd be easy for me to go to rob and be like what should i do so that my kid turns out like your kid and he would just step back and say well i don't have any shoulds for you so i want to talk to you about some some shoulds some taboo shoulds before we do that patrons a couple notes for you number one we have a lot of new patrons and if you want to interact with other other people in our community you can do so on the community tab you can do so in the comments i just have one request from you people enjoy interacting with other people well, how do they know they're interacting with other people? The best way to do that is for you to put up your photo on Patreon. <laughs> Take you two seconds, snap a photo of yourself, or you already have a profile photo somewhere. Put it up there so you're interacting with other human beings. People identify with people, not with little eggs or avatars or funny little animals. <laughs> it's a photo of you. Now, it's not a requirement, not that you should do it. I'm just letting you know the truth is that people prefer to interact with other people. This is private. It is on Patreon. So interacting with other people just requires a few moments to upload your photo. Also, by popular demand, uh, we have Emma is um, going back through all of our maximal episodes on Patreon and putting a little note at the bottom of each one because we've had a lot of people say, well, hey, I really enjoyed episode 272, which is called Hidden Clutter. And I don't know what maximal episode corresponds with that one. Mm. And the the shortcut until now was, well, we always publish them two days later. So find the date for the minimal. Two days later is the date for the maximal episode. Now, the reason they don't have the same number is we didn't have Patreon for many years. And so we didn't want to start numbering like episode 137 is the first Patreon episode. Right. That wouldn't have made much sense, (laughs) right? And so we do have corresponding episodes. She's going in and updating every single episode back to the beginning. And so if you really enjoyed episode 272, you can now go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash The Minimalist, and literally type in episode 272. Now you have to type in the word episode. There's a reason for this, but you just type in episode space 272 and it will pull up the exact maximal episode that corresponds with that minimal episode. And so a lot of work on her part. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sure it's great. It's, great. it's not done yet, but by, by the time this comes out, it's <laughs> going to be done. You're just like putting the pressure on her. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, if you don't see Emma here next week, you'll know why. <laughs> and so, yes, we, we wanted to provide that for you because I know a lot of times people want to go back and find. They are supposed to stand on their own. And so these are individual episodes. There's all obviously going to be some overlap occasionally, but the maximal and the minimal are two completely separate episodes. However, they can correspond with each other. Hence now your ability to search episode, space, and then the three numbers. You're good to go there. Yeah. So, Ryan, I got into my first fist fight in 20 years. <laughs> I didn't want to. I still didn't have one. I, I, and so I'm walking down the street, um, Santa Monica Boulevard, mm-hmm. and I'm getting ready to cross the street, and I hit the little button, you know, where the guy goes, yeah, wait, 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 yes. please yeah. wait. I always thought that voice was Ryan's for a long time. <laughs> it's so baritone. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're that guy. <laughs> uh, do they have to pay you royalties for that? <sighs> yeah, anyway, Man. so I hit the button 
And this guy starts, uh, I'll do this for the video in case someone is, is watching this. This guy, I, I see this guy out of the corner of my eye, and he's, I don't know, maybe 30 yards away, but he's sort of walking around, very erratic. Yeah. And is he's a homeless guy? I don't know. Okay. Um, they're all homeless, according to me. I don't see anyone in their home while they're on the street. And so <laughs> uh, he he's walking over, he's sort of erratic, and... Um, and he's getting closer and closer to the pole I'm standing by, mm-hmm. right? And now he's 20 yards away. And I'm like, uh-oh, this guy, I don't know what he's doing. It's a little strange. And he's walking a little bit faster, and he's walking toward me, but not at me, mm. sort of in my direction. Yeah. And about 10 yards away, I realized, no, he is walking at me. Mm. And he's holding his hand out, and he has like a pack of cigarettes or something in his hand. He's holding it right toward me. Now he's five yards away, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And before I can even react, he's in my face, pushing this thing into my face. Like, and what? So I, I back up, and just out of nowhere, like, I, I, he, he has hit me in the face at this point. He's already he's smashed my sure. face with okay. these. And so I just very quickly stick him once. <laughs> <laughs> Jab. Yeah. Jab yeah. move. A quick right, and I, it was it was out of self-defense um, mm. and because he's attacking me at this point i'm yeah. being attacked by and i have a friend or one of bex's friends who in san francisco was attacked by a guy um, oh yeah who um she, she got bit yeah she got bit by him oh and God. so very quickly out of self-defense i just stuck him real quick right now like, please don't bite me seven years ago i would have tried to fight him that now sure. right yeah. I immediately just ran down the street because I'm like, what is the best thing that could happen here? Yeah. Nothing. nothing. That's, I want nothing to happen. So you stuck him and ran. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, def- I got I basically created distance. Mm. And um, and then I just ran away because I had wanted nothing to do with, with the fight. Because <laughs> I know that... Well, at least he didn't run after you. No, he didn't. Yeah. Although he started walking into traffic immediately thereafter so this was this he was like there's something mentally going on or he was on drugs or something you're both yes yeah Yeah. well you know it's la yes and (laughs) i try to have compassion for someone like this but at the same time it was it was self-defense now what should i have done in that scenario Mm. there are no shoulds here yeah I think I did the best thing for me. Had I reacted a little bit sooner, I think the best thing to to do in my scenario was to recognize and, and create more distance before he closed that distance on me. I think that's probably what Podcast Sean would have told me. Uh, <laughs> Podcast Sean would have pulled out his gun and shot him. He, he has three <laughs> guns in his sock right now. <laughs> in each sock. Why does he have three socks? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, oh shit man well i'm glad you're okay i'm glad he didn't bite you i'm glad he's okay as well yeah um i i didn't injure him in any way but um yeah i yeah i'm glad i didn't get bit i'm glad i didn't get harmed yeah he it was i mean he hit me in my face but um i reacted quickly and in a way that created distance that's all i needed to do now Mm. it would probably would have been better more beneficial for both of us, me and him, had I created that distance a little bit sooner, right? Mm-hmm. Not standing my ground because I'm more manly if I... Uh, I can't believe it. I ran away. What a punk, right? It's mm. like, well, no. I just don't want anyone to get hurt, right? Yeah. yeah. And and so, yeah, the there's a piece of me. Certainly 20 years ago, last time I got into a fight uh, and ended up with a black eye, mm. I, um, you know, stay and fight. Stand your ground. It's like, mm. well, why? Yeah. Why? Because I don't want to be perceived a particular way by this person. I care about how they perceive me. My happiness is now tied to how they perceive me. My manliness, my manhood is is tied to how they perceive me. And that's another facade, right? Manliness. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, what is manliness? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about some other shoulds here, Ryan. So 
we every four years or every two years, depending, we're told that we should vote. Mm. And is this one of the taboo shoulds? I think so. Yeah, okay. it's, it's taboo to say, well, well, why, why should I vote, right? Yeah. And and mm. why is that a should for me? Well, you know, it's interesting. Like I was raised Jehovah's Witness, and Jehovah's Witnesses don't vote; they stay politically neutral. That's their whole thing. Sure. So I was essentially told, like, it doesn't matter who you vote for. Uh, the devil runs America and runs the rest of the world. And no matter who you vote for, you're voting for, you know, someone who's controlled by Satan. And there's nothing that we can do in this world to save it. Mm. Uh, we just need to throw our hands in the air and let Jesus do the work. Jesus, take the wheel. I think I agree with all of this metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But you're talking literally. Yeah, I'm talking literally. So, you know, the whole idea is like there's no reason to care about uh, climate change or global warming, whatever the hell you want to call it. Like, there's no reason to care about what's happening because really uh, it's up to Jesus to come back and clean up our mess is kind of the, so we just throw our hands in the air. You know, we'd like be good citizens. Jehovah's Witnesses are very good citizens, but they're, they try to stay neutral and basically wash their hands of everything that they can. Yes. Um, so the, the problem that I had, uh, was when I got away from that organization, I was like, oh, wow, like voting, which is funny because my, I don't know if all Jehovah's Witnesses are like this, but my my father is very much, he loves to talk about politics. Mm. And it's funny because I look at him and I'm like, you don't even vote, man. Like how mm. in the world can you have any opinion whatsoever when you don't even participate in the whole system? So uh, when I left the organization, I just kind of looked at it that way where I'm like, you know, either I can abstain which is okay there's nothing wrong with abstaining or um you know i could actually give give a crap about what's going on with with our country and you know politics and whatever and uh there's a lot of nuance there right because when i say what's going on with our country you ask 10 people what's going on with our country you're gonna get 10 different answers right sure but yeah so for me it's not a it's not a should vote i don't think anyone should vote but i do think that it matters more than people will give it credit for in the sense that it's a privilege, man, to be able to, to live in a democracy. And it is something we take for granted. The fact that, you know, the fact that you can burn a flag and not have any repercussions from it, at least, you know, lawfully, you might have like, you know, other people because you're offending them. They might, you know, do something. But the fact that you could burn a flag and not have it try to do that in Iran or try to do that, you know, in Afghanistan. You're gonna sure. have a very different reaction from the political figures and from the, the the authorities. So for me, it's more about like not taking this democracy for granted. So should you vote? No, I, you're right. Like I don't think you should vote, mm -hmm. but I do think that it means more than people give it credit i guess see i think the opposite and and here's why mm -hmm. uh first of all i don't i don't see it as a privilege to not be oppressed because people are oppressed in iran doesn't mean that that is that's so they're being oppressed right sure and so the the antidote to that isn't more oppression here right it's yeah. for them to not be oppressed right, right. and right. so it's not giving me privilege or you privilege or jordan or danny or or, or mallory or Emma, anyone privilege here mm -hmm. right what it what it exposes is that some people are oppressed, and that's an awful thing. Mm -hmm. that, that is what I would consider an evil thing, sure. right? Yeah. It is that we are oppressing other people. We are directly harming someone else. Mm -hmm. Man, that's, that's awful. And 
I'm not privileged because I'm not oppressed. Other pe- I have other privileges for sure. Uh, yeah. no, no question about that. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing is, I think one of the, the great lies we're being told recently is that we do live in a democracy. We don't. We live in a republic, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that we, that we... Here's one way to look at it. Let's say you, you were at age 17, Ryan. You got hit by a bus. Mm-hmm. And you were just killed at age 17. Okay. And so you lived a life, and it was the life that you lived. Mm-hmm. And now you've participated in a bunch of elections since then, right? Let's say sure. that you've participated. Let's even say you participated in every election at age 18 and beyond, right? Okay. I know you haven't, but let's say that y- you had. Okay. The, the, every single time you voted, it actually didn't change the outcome of the election, not once. Sure. In anything that you ever voted in, right? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter nearly as much as we pretend that it matters mm-hmm. through the, the, you, you, the term you used earlier was virtue signaling on the minimal episode, mm-hmm. and we're told to rock the vote and all these other things. But that doesn't mean that nothing matters. What matters to us we have a lot of influence in other ways. I have a lot of influence in my own household. I have a lot of influence here between these four walls right now, right? Sure. And, and with the, the people in this room or the people that are listening to this, it's far more beneficial in ways that, and I'm not saying don't vote, because I think the problem that we run into here is when someone says, oh, no, 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 voting isn't a should, they hear, well, then it's a shouldn't, right? Hmm. And I like what you said. It's like, well, no, it's not a should or a shouldn't. Although at first, when you, with the Jehovah's Witness thing, is you were told it was a shouldn't. It was a shouldn't, yeah. You shouldn't vote. Right. And then so the antidote to that is, well, I guess now it's a should for many people who walk away from that. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should. And the thing is, it is still a could, right? Yeah. You yeah. can vote. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying that it doesn't have any weight whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that every election I've ever voted in mm. has not swayed that election at all. And the reason this yeah. comes up right now is there's an election going on in, in California. And I got uh, in the mail yesterday, I received the sample ballot mm-hmm. of you know, recall the governor right. and, and vote for one of these 43 different people or whatever. Yeah. And I can do that. Mm-hmm. It is a could. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's going to change anything if I do it or don't. But there are so many things that I can do mm. that will make a marked difference in my own life and the life of the people I care about. Sure. You know, it's interesting. Um, if I threw one can on the ground, that's not going to like do anything. Uh, it's not going to ruin the planet. Mm-hmm. If I, um, if I take like an, if I change the oil in my car and I take that leftover oil and I pour it into the gutter, not going to affect many things. That's true. But, if we, if you add it all up, mm-hmm. like it, it does make a huge difference. Now you understand the difference between the two. One is a, a, a non-act versus a act of degradation. You, you, well, you, yeah, of, of course, of course. I the, see the, the, just the, like you see the act of me getting hit by a bus versus, I mean, like, I, I mean, it's just, it's just an example. So what I'm getting at is, is that I would not, and this is, I mean, and this is just where we bifurcate on this. I would not discourage people from voting. In fact, I lean on the on the encouragement piece of it mm-hmm. because you're right. One person doesn't really matter with the voting, 
but I don't want people to look in the mirror. And, and I mean, we have a large audience. Mm-hmm. It's not just one person. Mm-hmm. It's many people. Yes. So, uh, so for me, I wouldn't take that. Uh, I understand what you're saying. What you're saying is, is factual. In fact, you talked about the privilege of um, how you disagree with the privilege of not being oppressed. Mm-hmm. There are the way things are mm-hmm. and the way things they, we, we wish they were or the way they should be. And yes, in this world, we should, and I will say should here, be born with the right to be left alone. Mm. We should be born for the, the right to have clean air, the right to have clean water. Mm. Like these are things that I feel like I wish they were that way. But unfortunately, this world, there are constructs that are in place. No matter how much we want to ignore them, they're there. And to, to and this is just for me, right? Um, but for me to like, look at, uh, for me to look at, you know, the opportunities I have in this country and just look at them and say, well, yeah, of course I do. Mm-hmm. I'm a human. I'm born on earth. Of course I have this. Of course I have the, the, it's not a privilege. It's, it's a given like that is on for me. Like I just can't get to that, that level of taking things for granted because, um, because yeah, there are a lot of people who don't have who, who don't have that right. So let's not call it a privilege. Let's just call it a right, whatever it is. That's also a construct, right? Sure, sure. But but again, constructs exist. Us us saying that they shouldn't exist doesn't it doesn't wipe them away. They literally don't exist. That's why they're constructs. <laughs> By definition, <laughs> right? So, okay, so, okay. So now, so now we're getting down to the words. No, you understand the essence of what I'm saying. Well, well explain it to me because I don't understand. Okay, so the essence is is that constructs that exist or, or that affect people's lives. Mm-hmm. There are constructs that affect people's lives. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by they exist. So They affect people's lives mainly because of our own expectations about those constructs. Uh, sure, sure. Well, it's not even it's not even you and I's expectations. It's expectations in general with with other people. And what I'm saying is, is you and I can talk about the way things are, or we can talk about the, the way they should be. And right now, when you, when you're saying that, well, it's only because of expectations. I mean, that is a that's almost in a way saying that uh, we shouldn't have constructs. No, I'm, I, I I recognize that. There are constructs, but they don't actually exist in reality. So all constructs sure. are anti-reality. Okay, so I mean, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. The country, for example, yes. is, is a is a the construct. denotative form of what you're saying is absolutely. I, I I understand and I get that. Right, and so so our country is a construct, right? It's not saying that we we disregard that, right. but what I'm saying is that. Really, where I'm going with the voting thing is that we think we have a certain amount of power. We've been lied to and told that we get way more power than we have by voting. I saw this great meme recently. I don't think... Okay. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I saw this great meme recently, and it was um, this... Uh, this. I think it was the, the, the government was represented by this giant wall of fire, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the vote. there was a voter who was blowing bubbles at it. And saying, take that government, <laughs> trying to extinguish the fire by blowing bubbles at it. Right. And, and that's about the, the amount of power that each of us has with respect to voting. Sure. However. 100%, on an individual basis. Right. On a, but we are talking to how many people right now? Tens of thousands, or actually I guess it's a patron, yeah. so it's 6,000 people. Right. Right. 
which for all intents and purposes on a national election isn't going to make that much of a difference. It won't make any difference, right? right. And, and so um, the, 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 the key here is there's and what I'm trying to get at. I think this is where you agree with me, hopefully, is that yeah. there are so many areas in, in your life where what you do, what you think, yeah. um, the actions you take, or especially the actions you don't take, you yeah. abstain from, they make a massive difference in your of life. Of course. But why would that negate the voting piece of it? it? It doesn't. It's about perspective. Okay. And so the perspective is that we often abdicate our own responsibility. Well, I did my part. I voted. Yeah, uh, but, but that's not my part. No. No, that that is like that is like uh it's like when you want to get healthy and you look up uh gyms in your area. Right. That's about as useful. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, or I went to the gym but did nothing while I was there. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I went there and scrolled on my phone for thirty minutes. Right. Yeah, exactly. I went to the gym for half an hour today. Oh great. What was it? Right. Uh did it really do anything for me, right? Or sure. was I going through the motions? Sure. And so the the reason I think the voting thing becomes so pernicious is because people get out there and they say you should do this or mm. you or in the case of the religion that you were in you shouldn't do this yeah and either one of those are not reality the reality is you can vote mm -hmm. and if enough people vote for a particular thing mm -hmm. then that will change that one aspect of the government right mm. if enough people uh, rally around this particular cause, right? Sure. And, and and yet, there are so many things in our everyday life that we take for granted. We vote every single day. Oh yeah, with our actions, with our dollars. Yeah, yeah, with, with our, our time. time. Yeah, attention. absolutely, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, and so I think where you and I agree is it becomes dangerous when we prescribe it. Yeah, you I don't, should I, get out there and vote. I agree with you hundred percent. I would never tell anyone they should get that get out there and vote. Right. But coming from a place of oppression where I was told not to vote, I would encourage people to make that decision for themselves and realize that it, it's it's uh it just it means it means more than nothing. It doesn't mean nothing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean everything. Right. I don't know where it falls on the scale. Probably like you know here's nothing. Here's everything. And it falls like right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah, it's it's really close. It, it's it's more than nothing for sure. The question mm -hmm. is, um, sometimes we do that thing that is close to nothing, and we pretend as though it's, everything. it's everything. And that's where we get into trouble. Yeah, but you know, you got to think too. Like just going back to the the people that we're reaching, and let's just take us out of it, man. Let's just like take a you know a celebrity, right? Um, you read that essay a while ago with Mike Rowe when people were like, oh, you can encourage people to vote. And he went on this whole like rant about like, why would I, I might as well encourage people to buy an AK-47. And I get, I, I get where he's coming from, but he has more influence than you or I do. Sure. He, he has more influence than podcast Sean or Jordan. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, th there is, there, there is something there with, uh, you know, we have, I don't know, we, we just, we'd have different, I don't know how else to say it. We just, we just have different levels of influence essentially. Mm -hmm. So for someone who has an influence on thousands of people, it, it does make a difference whether or not they set the example for voting. Hmm. It, it, it does. Um, it doesn't make a difference. You're right. If the guy who came up to you put cigarettes in your face, it doesn't matter the example he sets. Mm -hmm. No one's looking to him. 
Right. Yeah. Right. And, and well, I was looking to get away from him. Right. <laughs> so he actually maybe, maybe he just wanted to be your friend. Maybe he was offering you a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As I smashing him into my face. But actually, this is a really good point. So he had far more influence on my life than virtually any politician has. Sure. Which, yeah. yeah, Through through his disruption of of my life. Sure. And, uh, you know, for the sake of time, you know, there are other things now that have have gotten into the zeitgeist, uh, the vaccine thing. Oh, yeah. You should get vaccinated. Or there's another group, you shouldn't get vaccinated. You should wear a mask. You shouldn't wear a mask. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And realizing that, well, a lot of these things are situational. Yes. And it depends on where you are, who you are, who who you spend time around. Mm -hmm. And so... There is not how old you are, how healthy you are. Yeah, right, right. And also, like, okay, but what if you're on an immunosuppressant? Um, What, what if you know, what if you're by yourself? Should should you wear a mask then? Right, like (laughs) all of these things. I'm in my. um, Well, you should wear a mask even in my home. Okay, and so um, realizing that there's nuance around all of these things, Mm -hmm. even something that is so politically charged and that's why you can't even talk about these things because people have already determined you either should or you shouldn't do this thing yeah and in certain yeah it all depends in certain cases you should and in certain cases you shouldn't yeah it's the whole andrew uh uh yeah andrew Andrew schultz Schultz thing yeah Yeah. it It is is and it isn't yes and that's that's where we have a lot of problems is like we we want to prescribe this Mm -hmm. is where the advice uh, advice epidemic comes in is we want to prescribe because for us it's a very black and white matter which is fine that's okay that it's a black a black and white matter for someone but it's not black and white for everyone you know everyone in the population that's right and it can't be right Mm -hmm. because because of all of the nuances and when we start treating everything as though it's binary we we lose all the beauty of it. I, I, sat, I had a, a conversation with a, a doctor of mine the other day. We were, we sat down, and um, we we were talking about the vaccines, and he was like, "I just I don't understand why we can't why it's so taboo to talk about all of the nuance right mm-hmm. now." Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, "I'm vaccinated, but like I also recognize there are certain risks associated all all of these things," right. and he's like, "It seems so much more." genuine to be able to ask these questions in a way that is not accusatory, mm-hmm. that's not moralizing, mm-hmm. that is not righteous. Uh, it's the reason I wrote that essay about the off-the-rack self-righteousness, you know, the, the fact that we're shooting all over ourselves, right? And the, the line from there, there are a few that really stand out, but um, all of these shoulds, whether it's like you should get vaccinated or you shouldn't get vaccinated, you should go to college, you should get married, you should eat plant-based, you should clean your room, whatever it is. Some of these activities might improve our lives, but we suffer if we believe our way is the one and only right way. And everything else is wrong if it does not align with our ideology. Right. The problem is ideology all of a sudden clouds the truth. As soon as Mm. we have an ideology... Yeah, and it moralizes everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And, And by the way, does it really open up loving conversation mm. it always does seems to do the opposite mm-hmm. whether it's republican democrat in right? some way it excludes yes yeah. exactly mm-hmm. and and so shooting always excludes in a way it otherizes someone it creates this other group that we can now rally against mm. and it gives us a little benefit this little little um not benefit this little dopamine hit yes this <laughs> burst of of feel goodness oh, right I'm right uh i do love being right though 
Right. <laughs> and that's the construct as well, right? Right. I love being right, which doesn't exist. Hate it when I'm wrong. Ooh, wait. I love being right, which does not exist. Mm. I love not existing. <laughs> oh, my God. There's yeah. something there. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the epitome of that is social media. The Tell epi- me about it. Because it doesn't exist. Like, that world is fake. Yeah, it's it, it, and it's a uh, hysterical version. It's like, okay, so before we started playing, or we were in the podcast, we, we were playing some music in here, right? Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if I took a megaphone and put it on the speaker and turned it all the way up. Mm. It would be nonsense. It, yeah, you might be able to make out the fact that Radiohead was playing, mm-hmm. or it might just sound like a just total noise. Yeah. Excess. Yeah. And that's the hysterical version of reality. Like, it's still music, but is is it really? It is the hysterical version of reality. It's like social media is the the dramatized version of real life. Like, you know, you watch these movies that are based off of some true stories, but it's like 5% true stories and 95% dramatization. Right. Like, that's what social media is. Oof, yeah. So I guess what we're saying is uh, get out there and vote, but it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. (laughs) All right, we got some surprise questions for you here. Let's start with Crystal's question. How do I decide whose advice to listen to? Well, it's simple, Crystal. Josh's and I's, that's who. Wait, which one? (laughs) Is it my advice or your advice? Just put them together. Oh, God, then you're not going to do anything. (laughs) Uh, So how do you decide whose advice to listen to? You don't. Because here's the thing. The the thing that Kapil was talking about earlier in that essay that I wrote, or the discourse I read, was um, the advice is the problem. The seeking of advice is the problem. Because, Mm. as he said, if you're just constantly looking for advice, let me see if I can find the exact line here. He talks about the teacher teaches the how. Okay, the student asks the how, the advice is another mm-hmm. way to say that, because she seeks a quick resolution to her problem. And though it may only work temporarily, she becomes accustomed to this chase. Advice accustoms us to the chase. Oh, I got some advice. And guess what? It's even more pernicious if it works out for you. Right. Because now I need more advice. Because Yeah, and now you're going to go back to that teacher and ask him for advice on everything. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's why a lot of the mystics, they will often turn away their students and say, you need to create some distance between me and you because you've become reliant on me for your insight. And mm. that is not insight at all. Yeah, man. Crystal, you've got to look at, it's almost like she has to look at her own advice. So let's talk about uh, Emma and Mallory. We you and I interviewed them both. We were like, man, this is a really hard decision to make. Yeah. Let's go to Sean and Jordan. We got their input. They made it even more difficult for us to decide. Yeah. So then we went to Carl and he helped us out. So it's not like any, it wasn't you. It wasn't me. It wasn't Sean. It wasn't Jordan. It wasn't Carl, but it was that combined feedback where we finally made a decision. Yes. And uh, it's the same thing with Crystal here. It's like, there isn't one person that you can go to. There's not just... All of them are right and all of them are wrong. <laughs> yeah, let's walk some folks through this because I think it's a fascinating case study mm. on avoiding advice in a way. And here's yeah. why. Because I didn't go to Carl for advice specifically. I went to him for insight. Right. And, and, and here's here's the difference. So you Ooh. and I, we sat down with, uh, we, we interviewed a bunch of people for um, these three positions that we had. And we narrowed it down, this one position, one of the three positions, we narrowed it down to... Emma and Mallory and uh, you and I 
we interviewed them and we're like, okay, it's one A and one B. And we disagreed. <laughs> neither of us wanted to make the decision. Right. <laughs> like, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? We disagreed on who was one A and one B. <laughs> and it didn't matter because we're like, both of them would be outstanding. Right. And so it was like, all right, well, let's uh, break the tie. We'll, we'll go to Jessica. Jessica picked one person. Sean picked a different person. We Jordan's the tiebreaker, the fifth person. Finally, we'll, we'll break the tie. It's either going to be Mallory or Emma. He's like, well, I think this person's more qualified, but personally, I'd hire this person for this reason. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for complicating <laughs> things a lot. So we're tied at two and a half each here. Yeah. And so Carl is a great mentor of ours. I've known him for 20 years. We worked with him in the corporate world. He is in the very beginning of Love People Use Things, the preface there about uh, dealing with crises. So I go to him, and instead of saying, what would you do, give me advice, mm. Carl, I need some insight here. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he goes, okay, well, tell me what you would do if you were in the corporate world, back in your corporate days, when you were managing all those retail stores. Mm. Let's say you're staffing up for the holiday season. What would you, who would you hire then? I said, well, if I was staffing for the hol holiday season, I would just hire both of them. And, um, and then I would overstaff temporarily and then I'd find if they both add value, we'd be able to find a way to keep them both on. Mm -hmm. He goes, huh? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Goodbye, Josh. <laughs> Click. <laughs> I'm like, well, damn it. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't get advice from him. Mm. Just follow your own heart is ultimately what he was saying. Right. hundred yeah, percent, man. What you're, so here's, here's the, uh, insight for crystal. Mm. <laughs> Uh, stop searching for advice and seek insight. Oof. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And follow your own heart. That's right. Amanda has a question for us. I love this. I would humbly suggest that there's not an advice epidemic. There's an unqualified advice epidemic. It's not so much the advice, but the source that's killing us. We need to stop listening to people who have a master's in blogging and instead start thinking more critically about the information we're consuming. It all depends, right? Because like a brain, I'm going to go to a brain surgeon for brain advice. Maybe. Yeah. And, and yet you might, you know, we, we have uh, Jessica who is out right now and she's been posting about this on social media. So I feel okay talking about it publicly. I would never talk about anything she hasn't talked about publicly, but she had a surgeon that really screwed her up a couple of years ago. Right. Oh yeah. 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 And so, and by the way, I had a doctor who really screwed me. All of my health problems currently, because mm -hmm. a doctor prescribed a, a supposedly benign antibiotic to me for 13 years. Mm. And, and so the problem with appeal to authority is simply that I'm now outsourcing any questioning of my own, right? And so we can look to authority and experts and so forth because they do have insights. Mm -hmm. But when I rely solely on their insights, in fact, when we put together, uh, I think next week we're going to talk about our a list of 25 boundaries, 17 of which we have for the minimalists as a team. We've set up our own boundaries. One of those things to avoid, these are just 17 things to avoid. One of them, Avoid appeal to authority. Yeah. Just because someone has a few yeah. letters behind their name, mm. they could screw your life up with their degree, with yeah. their knowledge. We mistake knowledge for truth. We mistake knowledge for insight. You know, it, we, it was funny because I remember during the last election, everyone made fun of because Joe Biden had this gaffe about, um, he said something about... Um, 
We choose truth over facts. <laughs> Honestly, it's the most profound thing he's ever said. Yeah. I choose truth over facts. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Facts will only get you so far. There's a ton of facts on Wikipedia. Sure. There's not a whole lot of truth on Wikipedia. Uh, truth is beyond the facts. We can use the facts to sort of point us there in a way. Facts are on the menu. Mm. The fact is this restaurant carries salad, but that's not the salad itself yeah and and so i get that it was a gaffe and it's hilarious and it's fun to poke fun at politicians or whatever but man sometimes we make these little freudian slips and there's so much profundity in them yeah and so amanda so yeah is there an unqualified advice epidemic sure mm -hmm. there's really an amplified advice epidemic mm. social media makes everyone a sort of truth miser in a way yeah and and there are a lot of people talking, and they all have all these different opinions. Yeah. So really, what, what's the epidemic? It's an opinion epidemic. Everyone has an opinion. But your opinion doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't matter. Ryan's opinion doesn't matter. What matters is the truth. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, what I'm saying about the brain surgeon really is, what I'm trying to highlight here is uh, that brain surgeon who has all the letters, you know, in their title, all the schooling, all of the uh, all the facts, whatever it is. Um, I would go to them and ask them about something with the brain before I would go to Jessica Williams about it. Mm -hmm. But if I had a question about social media, I'm not going to go to the brain surgeon. I'm going to go to Jessica Williams about it. Right. So th there is uh, there is an epidemic as far as, you know, everyone thinks that they are right about everything that they say. But like you, you just have to really be careful who you're looking up to. And I, I totally agree with you about the appeal to authority. Like be very careful what you accept from these authorities because yeah, sometimes they can lead you astray. That's why it's so important to get multiple insights right? and stop looking to one. And yeah. And that's what you and I did with yeah. Emma and Mallory. Ultimately it was like, okay, now we got everyone's insight. And by the way, by getting their insight, we also got everyone's buy-in because everyone agreed. It, it wasn't like, yeah, yeah, why the, why'd you, even think about getting Emma in here. Like it's definitely Mallory. There's no, it, no, everyone was right. like, Oh, they both be great. Yeah. Here's why. I, and so it, it wasn't outsourcing and looking for advice from them, mm -hmm. but it was also considering other people's perspective here because it, it wasn't considering uh, Johnny jump up on the internet because mm -hmm. we don't, it doesn't matter to us what Johnny jump up thinks about Emma or Mallory, but it does matter to us what podcast Sean thinks and what Jordan thinks what Jess right. thinks. Yeah. Right. And so, by getting their buy-in and getting their insight, we, we by getting their insight, we got their buy-in as well. Yeah. We have a question here from Allison. With regards to weight loss, how can I learn to be okay with the skin I'm in while also wanting to reduce? I'm stuck on the weight loss loop. Sounds like, uh, pardon the pun, but you want you to have your cake and eat it too, <laughs> in a way. Now, as a formerly obese person, when Ryan and I first met, I was literally the fattest kid in our school. I was... Um, 12, uh, 10. And by age 12, I was 240 pounds. Oh my God. Yeah. 240 pounds. Now I lost that weight in a very unhealthy way in high school by mm. stopping eating. I think it's the reason I'm not six, seven right now is because oh, wow. I just did. I was always sick all the time too. Mm. And the thing I, I talk about and love people use things is I came back, I lost a hundred pounds in one year mm. in a very unhealthy way just by not eating so yeah. the no calorie diet worked mm. really well for weight loss right but it didn't actually work well why 
because I put all the weight or virtually all the weight back on in my early 20s. So by age 21, 22, I was back up to about 240, mm. 230, 240, somewhere in there. So putting on all the weight. And it wasn't, I didn't even wear it well. I was all like muffin top and third chin. <laughs> it was not pretty, man. Oh, anyway. <laughs> um, when I think about this, you, you want to... Be okay with the skin you're in while also wanting to reduce, while wanting to lose weight. I think the thing that helps you here is the fact that you are not contented mm. with it. Now, the sh there's not about shame. The shame isn't the helpful thing here. The guilt is not the helpful thing. But knowing you're not where you want to be, that you have excess right now, quite often excess, getting rid of excess is not about the doing. It's about the not doing. Yeah, I had to have a better understanding of nutrition and not putting as many calories in my mouth, but also adequately providing nutrition to my body. And so when I lost the weight again in my 20s, it was about nourishing my body through a better understanding of what foods to put in it that are nourishing mm -hmm. that won't cause me to continue to be obese. And yeah. so I don't know about the wanting to be okay and i understand the wanting to be okay with the skin you're in but you don't you don't want to be proud of being if you want to be obese fine be, be obese but being proud of it is a different thing right hmm. and so i didn't have pride in it but it wasn't about the shame in a way either you know the, the shame is is harmful internally but that that discomfort that i felt around the excess weight is the thing that helped me understand that I wanted to lose it. Yeah. Hmm. I think maybe like the, the pride in general might be a roadblock because, you know, whether you're obese or whether you're super physically fit, it's like pride can get in the way either, in either way of those situations. Yes. But when I think about Allison's questionnaire, it's like it is and it isn't right. Like, uh, you can totally be happy with who you are and the skin that you're in right now, but also recognize that the, the weight or whatever is going on with your body is unhealthy. And uh, if you want to prolong your life, you might want to start having healthier habits. So again, it is and it isn't. You can, yes, <clears throat> if you're obese, great. I will love you just the same as if you're not obese. Yes. The question is, is that, you know, what, why, like, why, why do you want to not be obese? Is it to have better health and to live longer than great? I, you know, I'll love you and support you through that journey. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the, she's asking how to be contented in an unhealthy body. And if her, if her why is to be healthy, then there, there's no magic answer here to be like, well, here's how you can be content. You're going to be discontented until you get healthy. Clearly, you're suffering right now. Yeah. Jay Krishnamurti would say, use your suffering to ease your suffering. Yeah. And I think that's where you are. This, the suffering right now, the discontent that you're experiencing, the misery you're experiencing is pointing you in a direction. Now, the thing to ask yourself is, are you suffering because of other people's expectations of your weight? And if so... That's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're suffering because you're like, ah, I don't feel good in this body, mm -hmm. well, that's all the leverage you need to make the change. Amen. And the change will happen on its own when you really 
really feel it in your viscera. Vic has a question for us. This is good. How do we appropriately address people who insist on giving unsolicited parenting advice? I don't know what advice you get thrown at you about Ella, but I have found since becoming a parent, the advice never ends. This makes me think of Beulah, who just adopted a child. Yes. And she's like started on her Instagram stories just posting unsolicited parenting advice. It's hilarious and she's she's so uh you can follow her i will put a link to it in the show notes she's actually doing our interior design for our studio we have her giant painting over here it's six feet by eight feet um patrons i don't know if there's a way for to show them right now jordan there might be a way jordan's gonna get up and and you'll be the first ones to see this it's not even hung yet right but we're gonna go from my camera to jordan focusing in on beulah's beautiful artwork here now ryan if you see this but you step back uh, several people. Danny was the first one who told me about it, but then someone over across the street at the coffee shop said it looks like a hand presenting something. And so this is us presenting something to our audience mm. in a way, right? Mm. It's beautiful. It's going to be accented with four other paintings here. So that our space here is going to look like an art gallery very, very soon. Mm. We're going to take this wrapping paper down behind us and reveal to you the beautiful space that we're creating. Beulah is doing that for us. She has a beautiful Instagram account. Yeah. And now, as you said, she's getting all this unsolicited parenting <laughs> advice. And maybe one way to deal with it is to make it absurd. Right. And so the way she's made it absurd, she's turned it into basically these successories posters. Right. And so, I don't know, maybe we can pull up a few of those. Dan, you mind pulling up her Instagram account, see if we can can uh, grab a few of those. It'd be really fascinating to take a look and see um, what... But so let's talk about some unsolicited advice here. Like like one might be like, oh, get ready for plenty of sleepless nights now right. that you're a parent. Say goodbye to your sleep. And making yeah. that a really beautiful poster with like an <laughs> eagle in the background and you know the waterfall or whatever. Yeah. And, and you realize how absurd all this advice is. And all advice is flawed advice. By yes. the way... These aren't even, this is not even advice. It's just shitty observations. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for making, hey, you know what? There's a line in, um, man, it's in my novel, As a Decade Fades. Misery encourages others to pull up a chair and stay a while. Yeah. And I think that's quite often why we, we do some of these things. It's like, oh, you know what? My parenting experience was miserable, so... Let me also make this person miserable because in order for me to also have the same size building, I need to tear theirs down. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like when you're experiencing misery. It doesn't have it. Okay. Oh, yeah, the, the stories are gone. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. It's gone out into the ether. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure she'll post some more on there. But anyway. Uh, when you're experiencing misery. Yeah, when you're experiencing misery, there's also, there's like there's something about well, if I can make someone else experience the misery that I'm experiencing, like, A, I'm not in it alone. Mm. And I don't have to, I, I can realize that I'm not different. Everyone else, everyone experiences this misery. So, uh, yeah, it, it, that's a, that's why misery loves to pull up a chair. Yes. It's because if you and I, and, and, and you know, we've probably definitely have done this in the past. We're like, you know, we'll look at something and we start, you know, dissing it. Mm -hmm. And there's like this camaraderie going on. But, mm -hmm. but it's really, yeah, it's, it's not helpful. It's not, yeah, it's not making our lives more meaningful. Right. 
Um, if, if anything, it's doing the opposite. Right. Yeah. One of our 17 boundaries here at The Minimalists is, again, we're going to dive deeper into this yeah. next week. One of the 17 boundaries is avoid gossip, right? And we got this from Dave Ramsey. They have a, a no gossip policy. It's a one strike, and then you get your warning. And beyond that, if they catch you gossiping again, you're gone. Yeah. Now, why is that? It, it, creates, a, it creates a space that... Now, it's not saying if you have a problem... Well, just sit on it, right? That's the the Marlowe Stanfield thing right. from the Wire, right? <laughs> if you got a problem, sit on that shit. Um, and and Price no, it's, the brick it's, is going up, <laughs> right? And and yet, what what the Ramsey thing is? Oh no, 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 no! If you have a problem, let's do something about it. Because gossiping doesn't do something about it. It actually amplifies the problem. It makes yes. the problem much worse. Yes. Now, gossip isn't a lie necessarily Mm-mm. it can be a truth it's a truth said behind someone else's back it's right? often an exaggerated truth yes going back to the dramatization or one-sided <laughs> truth of reality yeah that too yeah and, and so it's a one-sided truth meaning it's a fact about something mm-hmm. but it's not painting the complete picture Ooh, and it's an opinion too quite often it is an opinion yeah. so it's an opinion or even let's say it's a, a definitive truth so what if you're just saying it behind someone else's back, you wouldn't say it to them. Mm-hmm. And if you're saying, well, I've got this problem, and so I, I can't address it with them, okay. But you can come to me or Ryan and address it. Right. And even if you have a problem with Ryan, you can come to me. If you got a problem with me, you can go to Ryan, mm-hmm. and we can address it that way. Yeah. Without having to, oh, you know what, these guys are tyrants or whatever. Like, right. It doesn't do anything for us to, yeah. to simply gossip. So avoiding gossip is one of our, one of our boundaries around here. Now we yeah. have a question here from Monica. How can we better balance improving oneself while also just letting go and having fun? I'm only 23 years old and I'm obsessed with self-improvement to the point where it's not even fun anymore. Is self-improvement ever fun? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> let me finish the question here. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, with the diets and the consistent structure, it's starting to feel like I'm being suffocated. Yes. Uh, whenever you are trying to self-improve, it's it's always going to bring some sort of like discomfort. And in this case of Monica, it's bringing her misery. Mm. Now there's nothing wrong with misery. If that's where you want to be great. Yeah. I think, I think we, in a weird way, I think we actually overvalue misery. Yeah. Because we all are trying to be miserable all the time. We're, we're seeking out discontent. It's what you talked about earlier. Let's complain about this thing together. Yeah. That's another one of our boundaries. No complaining yeah. or avoiding complaining rather. Right. Yeah. 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 No. So yes, Monica, stop trying to improve yourself. Mm. I mean, the, the more you can get to the why, then the action takes care of itself. And if you can deeply understand why you're trying to do what you do, like that is going to be much more constructive than beating yourself up because of whatever you're beating yourself up over. I hate to hear that she's 23 years old and mm-hmm. she's drowning in self-improvement. This is those shoulds. You're drowning in shoulds. Yeah. A lot of people uh, are telling me that I should do these things, that I should improve myself. Maybe here's the question for you. What do you hope to gain, Monica? Mm. What do you hope to gain from all this improvement? Is it because everyone else told you that you should improve? Right. Oh, maybe they told you that you need to be improved. Mm. Here's something for you. Self-improvement is a farce. 
the only reason that we need to improve ourselves is because we've disapproved ourselves, disapproved of our actions, disapproved of our behaviors. We've done things that we feel guilty about and we feel as though we need to change those things. Mm. Well, it's the doing that got us in the trouble in the first place. Mm. Now, I'm not saying don't do anything. What I'm simply saying is you can't do your way out of doing. Ooh, like stop looking at the doing as the answer, as the antidote to your... Uh, I want to say discomfort, but there's a better word. But that's that's what Monica's looking at. Well, there's there's a certain amount of things I can do, and I will I'll finally be comfortable with myself. It's yes. like I'll be fixed, right? Anthony Demello would say, "Stop fixing yourself." Yeah, and the reason being is you're not a machine. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to tune up. Yes, there is some healing that needs to take place. But what do, you, what do we do when we need to heal, Ryan? When you broke your back, you broke five vertebrae in your back, mm. what were the 17 things you did? No, it wasn't <laughs> about the doing. Right. It was about the resting. It was actually about the not doing. Mm. And you had to stop doing for a while. Why? So that you could heal. Yeah. And so, Monica, if what you hope to gain is healing... It's not about the doing. You can't fix yourself. You can't improve upon yourself. Try to improve, improve an infant. It doesn't work. Mm. You can't improve upon that which is already perfect. Mm. And so understanding that there's no need for all this nonsense improvement in your life. That makes me think about parents who like, get their infant's ears pierced. No, I mean it. I'm not. That's not a judgment. It's just like that is a an example of like I can make this infant better Mm. and pierce their ears. Yes, I can improve this perfect thing. Yeah, right. And so whatever it is, thing as as a metaphor here, the the improvement. There's nothing wrong with things improving, but forcing them to improve often does the opposite. Yeah, it as it's doing to Monica makes us miserable yeah patrons thank you so much for your time today i'm grateful for this conversation thank you for giving us the space as well to talk about some things that are a bit uncomfortable you know ryan and i in the public podcast we're not going to start touching on voting necessarily or vaccines and masks and all these other things but we can unpack these things in front of you in a way that we're not going to do publicly so thank you for giving us the grace and the space to talk about these things without judgment we're really grateful for you we're grateful for your support it's because of you we're 100% advertisement-free. It's because of you we have Emma and Alabama and, and Danny here, Podcast Sean, Jordan Moore, Social Jess, and everyone else on the team as well. Yeah. We're so you. grateful. Yeah, thank you so much, patrons. All right, y'all. Love people. Use things. We'll see you soon. Hopefully we'll see you on the road. The Minimalists. <laughs>